Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Smooth Burrito. I'm Frank. I'm Trevor. And it has been a little bit, not really. I guess it's been three weeks. Um, but yeah, we are back like that one movie about the dinosaurs to fill you up with gaming goodness. And what better gaming goodness is there than finding out what video games we've played? What do you got, Trev? Man, I've been playing like a lot of stuff, actually. It's like kind of hard to keep track, to be honest. Um, but the one game that I like really got into over the past couple of weeks was Mafia Definitive Edition. I was actually I would... looking at that last night. I kind of want to try it out. So if you've got a good review, hit hit uh, hit me with it. Were you a fan of the original? Never played it. Okay, so the original has a pretty hardcore like cult following, actually, because it was around when like all the open worlds like GTA three and like kind of these open world, the open world genre in general was kind of starting to get its footing. Um, but it is, it was a more like hardcore story oriented game. And when I say hardcore, I meant like ultra realistic, like cops can pull you over for speeding. Um, couple, couple shots from like an enemy will kill you. Um, when you reload your gun, you lose your excess bullets. Um, it just went the extra mile for realism. You could even like bribe cops to get out of speeding tickets and shit. Um, so it, it was, it had like its own uniqueness and originality in that sense. Um, they added like difficulty levels in this version. So in the original, there was just that one difficulty level. It was hard as shit. Um, but you just, that deal with it and this one they have like an an easy medium but then they have the classic mode where you can play like you did like kind of like the original i obviously played on classic because that was what i liked about the original so much um this game's incredible uh it holds up really really well um it, it's graphics the like upgrades like this was not just like an hd remaster uh it was rebuilt from the ground up in the modern mafia uh, games engines. Um, the graphics and the level of detail is incredible. Uh, they got new voice actors, some of which are really good. Some of like some of them are okay, uh, but the story really, really, really holds up. Um, and I'm like, I'm actually a huge fan of this game. Like, it's totally hooked. It's level of detail and like kind of the like a, attention to detail in general is on a whole nother level. Like you can ride around in your car, listen to the radio, and the news radio is of stuff that was like actually happening back in the 30s. Um, or you could listen to like a full baseball game on sports radio. Um, it's it's freaking nuts, man. It's really really good game. I I went I finished it. You know, like I Damn. powered through. It was like all I played for like a couple of weeks. I would you say that's the one to jump into if you've never played any game in the series? Because I've always seen like Mafia existing, but I always figured that it was kind of not good in terms of going up against whatever whatever the GTA game du jour is. But I also really like mob movies, so yeah. If you like the classic mob flicks. Man, this is a this is a great one. Also, I think the first one um has some uniqueness to it outside of GTA. It's just not it's not like a GTA clone. Um they went and aimed more towards GTA clone in the second and third one, and I wasn't a huge fan of the third one. The story was decent, but the gameplay was so so. Um but the first one, the story is really, really good. The characters are great. Um, the actual like world building and and open world map that you're in, which is not very open world to be honest. It, it's not open world in the traditional sense like GTA. You can go and do whatever you want in the middle of missions, um, but it's very structured around these chapters, and each chapter has story beats to it that you're going to see to completion. And then on it has like a separate free ride mode where you can go around and find collectibles and just do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but it's like separate mode outside of the main game. 
but i would say like if you were interested in the mafia storyline or the games this is definitely the best one in the series hands down it's definitely the one you want to jump into this this game is definitely the best of the three hands down nice i'll have to put it on my list um i've also played i dipped my toes into um genshin impact that free-to-play game everybody's going crazy about right now from china that's everyone was thinking was like a breath of the wild clone but it turned out to be like a weird action jrpg gotcha game um, was, was this the thing that we were talking about last time i'm not sure if we talked about it last time because i know Can't we were remember. talking about a breath of the wild clone but i think that was from ubisoft oh yeah that was a different game um this game is uh, this is like a made by like a chinese studio i can't remember the name um but a lot of people are going crazy about it so i figured i'd try it out it's cross-platform so it's like cross-platform play cross save cross progression so you can like play it on your pc and pick it up on your like ipad or whatever and everything carries over um it's fun it's decent. It's not something I could see myself getting super into, but you know, worth a laugh. Yeah, it's it was it was pretty decent. Like the the art style, it's like it's like a very anime game, you know. Like so, the art style is leaning more towards Breath of the Wild. It's like people are calling it Breath of the Waifu <laughs> um, because a lot of the gotcha elements, of course, um, are like just these like hot anime chicks you know um with different fighting styles or whatever uh it's a it's a cool game though i'm I'm not gonna knock it i think it's okay Uh, if you like gotcha i don't mind a good gotcha like i have gundam battle operation 2 downloaded and i still need to play that because you know i could i still couldn't like i couldn't get any matches on mpon and i haven't played that in a minute but uh yeah, there's nothing wrong with a gotcha game as long as it's not disgusting. With yeah, the this monetization. one's not. This one's not bad. Um, there's a lot of characters you can get, but the ones they give you without like the gotcha element are perfectly good. You know what I mean? And, and a lot of the stuff you need to buy the more like RNG packages that'll get you new characters and weapons and shit. You can earn through playing the game. Good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. Uh, I was having fun with it. Uh, and then I started playing Nier Automata again because I never finished it. Finished it. I know there's like five endings. Um, I never like played it as much as I wanted to play it the first time around, and I've been having an itch to get back into it. So I started started getting up on that one a little bit more. Yeah, that game is on my list of games that I still need to play that like... If I told people I haven't played them, it would make their heads explode. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of them. That game is so unique and just does so many things so well. Um, it It's one of those games where you're playing it and like as soon as you f- start to feel tired or whatever of the mechanics, um, like you want to stop playing or whatever because you're like, okay, I just want to like play something different. It switches shit up and you're playing a completely fucking different game. You know what I mean? Uh, it it's pretty incredible in that in that sense. Nice. Well, what about you, man? What are you playing? I so most recently yesterday I played a bunch of No Man's Sky, um, which I guess I can talk about the fact that they updated here. We originally had it as, in as a story, but after playing it yesterday, I didn't see anything crazy new, at least in terms of the way I play. I guess. A lot of people play where they're just, like, going to literally random planets and exploring. And I guess there, they they would see a lot of the new stuff, but I, I didn't. Um, but, still fun game. Uh, I basically just... The, the, with the amount of patches that that game has had, it it has, like, layers of mechanical foundation on top of it, and... You can choose to use the old mechanics, or you can just do the new stuff, and the old stuff's kind of pointless. So what I did yesterday was I got, like, you can have a freighter that you summon that basically acts like your base. 
So you don't really need to build a base anymore, ex except on the freighter. And I got a thing for my freighter that's a transponder, which allows me to teleport stuff from my character to the freighter. And what that means in practice is that I always have access to the freighter's gigantic inventory, which is awesome in that game. Because <laughs> that yeah, means that I never, ha I never have the your inventory is full thing happen. Right, right. And that's that's pretty nice. The, the one thing that I wish they would fix in that game, though, and, and and the freighter thing kind of mitigates it, but the one thing that I wish they would fix when I go to open stuff, the only way I have to get shit out of the crate is just to go up, press the button, and be like, "Oh, here's the stuff from the crate." There's no like you can't see what's in the crate and then pick up what you want. It always just automatically takes up an inventory slot, which sucks. When you're trying to do the freighter derelicts that I had to do to get the necessary MacGuffins in order to put that teleporter upgrade in, every yeah. crate I would get like some ammo that I didn't need and then I would have to trash it. It was really annoying. But aside from that, still fun, still kind of aimless, but if you're looking for a game that you can just turn on and then put Star Trek on on the other screen and have yourself a fun space time, go for it. <laughs> a fun space time. Speaking of I fun like space times also, Elite Dangerous, uh, their expansions are apparently going free. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Do you have a copy of that? I can't remember. I, d I do. I haven't had a chance to get into it yet. I've been meaning to, for sure. Well, once their uh, current expansion set does go free, we should play some. It's a fun game. Yeah, I like it uh, slightly. Well, I was going to say I like it slightly better than No Man's Sky, but it depend depends on what you're trying to do. Elite Dangerous, the focus is around the ship. And right. your guy is barely an afterthought. I think there there's some content now where you can walk around in third person or something, but it's all very tacked on or ancillary. Like, you don't need it. No Man's Sky, right. they started with the guy and then added the ship. And that's a mm -hmm. game about, like, exploring the planet and stuff. Right. And they, they both, they do similar things differently, and it's interesting to see how each game tackles it. Though, what I'm, what I'm wishing for is honestly, like, as I stare at my copy of Wing Commander Privateer, I want a game where the, like, the bandits and shit that I get pulled over by have personality. Because in No Man's Sky, it's literally just an alien that, like, hits me up on the uh, communicator thing and goes, gah, rah, 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 and says the same thing, and I kill him. And <laughs> Elite Dangerous is the same, except it's a random canned phrase that, I have a text-to-speech extension that I had to install, read out, and then they might kill me, but it's still roughly the same thing. Privateer, you could, like, negotiate with people, you could lie to them and mislead them into thinking that you didn't have the cargo they thought you had on them. It was much more organic, which is something that I wish that uh, these newer space games had. Maybe Star Citizen will finally be able to... <laughs> that game's not coming out. That game's not coming out. It's yeah, never gonna come out. I will. I will eat my own hat. I will buy a hat to eat if that game comes out. Make it a birthday hat. Yeah, I will buy a birthday hat. <laughs> um, other than that, I have been streaming on Twitch more lately. Twitch.tv/robotboombox. If you're interested, I normally stream at seven most days, but I started a playthrough of Max Payne that I'm gonna be continuing today. The first one? Yeah, that game That's still holds cool. up. I had to yeah. do a shitload of stuff to get it to run on Windows 10 properly. Of course. But, and it still kind of like crashes maybe once an hour. And the load times are horrendous. I think the load times are only horrendous because I have an HD texture pack installed. And I'm pretty sure that it's using the same, like, loader from 2000 whatever to load those mm -hmm. textures. So it just takes forever to go through them. Yeah. But the game, it still looks weird and boxy, but it, it looks like how it looks in your memories as opposed to how it would actually look. Like, That's it, it has, like, people have added, like, HD textures and full widescreen support and shit. So, and it's still a really fun game. And I still enjoy yeah. it. It's a lot goofier than I remember it being. Really? Yeah, just. Yeah, I haven't played the first, that the first, in a really long time. The first Max Payne game, literally everyone is played by someone from the Remedy offices. Like, Max Payne is played by their head writer, Sam Length. Or Sam Length? Sam oh, yeah. Length should be his porn name. Sam Lake. 
not in like voice, but in appearance and in like the comic book style cutscenes. It's all people who work for them, so and and them and then like cheap, bad, fake New York voice acting. That I don't think that series really hit its stride narratively until Max Payne two, where they had a bunch of money to dump on top of it and like fix their issues. Max Payne one yeah. is still a good story, but it's very generic. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that being a thing, to be honest. Uh, but I remember liking it a lot, though. The gameplay is still sweet. Like, no, nobody has done the John Woo-style gun-fu bullshit better than that game. Well, that game series. Uh, Max Payne 2 does feature a couple improvements over the first game. And also, out of the box, the first game is configured weird, so you have to turn off, like, the automatic... Uh, shoot, like, slow-mo when you dodge and shit, and the automatic always dodge when you slow-mo stuff, I find it better to have those bound to separate buttons. But... Yeah, for sure. Quantum Break and uh, Control do kind of a really good job of, like, I don't know, reminding me of Max Payne-style gunplay. Yeah, I still need to play both those. I honestly completely forgot Quantum Break existed, although I think a lot of people did. Yeah. Still a solid game though. Like it, I, it is very forgettable, but it's, it's. I had fun with it. On that last Tuesday, we had, uh, um, in in cooperation with Beast in the East, aka Bite, which is a fighting game tournament based out of New York, although it's online only right now due to COVID, of course. We held on Twitch, um, a Street Fighter the movie the game tournament for charity. We had like 145 people watching, and it was awesome. It was really cool. That's cool. We yeah. made like a thousand bucks for charity. That's cool, man. The, the developers, like the developer of the game, talked about it on Twitter. And then one of the lead artists from the game donated a signed marquee to us to raffle off. So we don't even like, um, we don't know who won that yet. I'm hoping it's me, but. It was really cool. And then the director of the movie retweeted the uh the video on demand for the tournament. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah, it's been pretty sick. Hell yeah, man. Well congrats yeah, on about, that. Yeah, that was super fun. That was uh probably one of the mo most fun tournaments I've ever participated in. Just in terms of like amount of people there, but also just the raw fighting performance that everyone was displaying. Because the mag yeah. tournaments are fun, but everyone's also six degrees of, like, fucked up. Because it's right. best. Yeah. But that's about it for me. Um, if you don't have anything else, I guess we can get into it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm ready. Fortnite Save the World, which, in case literally everyone forgot, is the original Fortnite mode that the game shipped with back when you had to pay for it. Yeah. That won't be playable on Mac on the next patch. Wasn't this the version of Fortnite that Cliffy B was all about before yeah. he dipped? Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact that like that game turned into something very different might be one of the reasons why he dipped. Yeah. And then and then Lawbreakers was Lawbreakers, so I don't know if he was correct in that assertion, but well, I mean, Lawbreakers wasn't bad. It was just came out at a time where it was just a really inconvenient time for that game to come oh, out. Oh, yeah. People really people were not looking for the style of game that Lawbreakers was at that point. Yeah. And the ones that were already had one. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. But um, Apple won't let Epic, as part of their stupid legal joust that, that like, I still think both sides are vaguely shitty on, even though I tend, like, like, I think legally I want Epic to win because Apple's trying to lock down their shit to, for multiple people in a way I don't like, but I don't think that Epic specifically has a good case, but that's neither here nor there. Where the rubber hits the road, Epic won't let, uh, or Apple won't let Epic patch their games on Mac OS anymore. So they can apparently do a balance patch on the internal client, but like, as far as patching like a mode or something, they have to 
use part of the Apple stuff that they don't have access to right now, I guess. Yeah. I mean, Apple right now... Oh, no, wait, now... never mind. Battle Royale isn't getting updates either, so they just can't patch shit on Mac. Oh, my God. Apple right now is like... I don't know, man. The whole streaming thing with xCloud and Stadia and then this whole like Fortnite shit and Epic Games is just I don't know it seems Apple's got to do like they got to do something dude they they literally are asking like Microsoft and Google to put their the games that are featured on their service piecemeal on the App Store I'm like that's like asking Netflix to take every video they have and make them a separate fucking download. Yeah, I know shit. Yeah. I think that uh Apple is still thinking like it's 2010 or whatever and the iPhone is the hot shit that everyone wants to hop on, but no, like Android phones at this point are good enough to where if people choose not to give a shit about the Apple ecosystem, they just won't. And yeah. also like when was the last time that Apple released a product that, even in terms of the former Steve Jobs, now Apple reality distortion field, was hailed as revolutionary? Like, what, the EarPods? Kinda? But people didn't buy it? Nobody uh, seems to use that stupid uh, face app emoji mapping thing. Yeah. At least I I'm, don't see it. I think phones in general have reached like they're i don't think we're gonna see some like revolutionary thing in phones period i mean a lot of companies like samsung are trying to do the whole foldable phone thing like that's the next revolution or whatever and it's just that doesn't interest me or the majority of people at all i think once um, they get that down it'll be really cool but they won't get that down for like five years at least yeah you know and I mean? and yeah, like like flagship phones have gotten end over end more expensive, really, for no returns. Like, I'm on a Pixel One, and I don't notice that I'm still on a phone that's what five years old. Past that, at this point. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, man. And that that the phones were what was driving Apple. Like, OS ten has always ch or OS X has always chugged along, but. That's not really getting asses in seats. You're either an Apple guy or you're not, and I think increasingly more people aren't. Yeah, it's yeah, it's you're definitely right. Increasingly, more people aren't. That's without getting into my personal opinions on uh, that ecosystem. Just uh, by the numbers, I think less and less people are invested. It's like it's like Madonna after she released that shitty album where she rapped about how she gets lattes and shit while wearing a Nazi uniform or whatever. <laughs> Seriously happened. Yeah. Where, where, like, there's still relevancy to this brand, but it's not the... It's not the titan that it was. It probably just comes down to not having Steve Jobs around anymore. Like, really. As much as I dislike the dude, like, he was what provided the uniqueness juice to that company. Tim Cook's just a guy who sold shoes. Yeah, Steve Jobs, at this point, if we weren't looking at something completely overhauled from what was initially released as an iPhone, then, like, he would be up in arms. He, he just, like, wouldn't be at the company anymore. Like, he yeah. was all about, like, flipping shit upside down. You know what Go I mean? make the next phone. Hell, at yeah. this point... Steve Jobs might be working for Samsung on their foldable prototypes. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird? Yeah, that'd be weird. But anyway, yeah, yeah. The, stu the stupid corporate slap fight keeps going, and there's no end in sight, and the only people losing out are the end user, I suppose. Yep. So, hooray. I would love to play xCloud or whatever on my on my phone or my tablet. That'd be great. But... I am in the Apple ecosystem, and I don't really play games on my phone or tablet, so it's not really that important to me. I also don't play games on my Mac. Like, I just don't have any desire to play games on iOS or Mac OS, really. So it's not a big deal to me, but I understand that there are people that want to do that. Um, Is Apple wanting everything split up? 
Does that have to do with the fact that like that would um take away from their Game Pass thing that they have on well, their, their phones? Their game, their game, their it's not even their thing is not even a game streaming service. Like they put some indie games on there, and they have a subscription service. It's five dollars a month, and you get to download any of those games on that list. And some of them are really good, like Grindstone Solid. Uh, the people that made No Man's Sky made a new game on there that's pretty fun. Um, and then they have a bunch of like other indie titles on there that are decent. You know, like I've tried it out. Like I like a lot of the games that are on there, but it's completely different from something like xCloud or Google Stadia or, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm feeling that like, the only person left on the No Man's Sky dev team is just Sean Murray, and he's in, like, the basement at Hello Games, and they just drop a pizza down like a shaft every now and again. Yeah, keep them fed. Yeah. Uh, you know, hyperbole aside, it would make sense that that game is a passion project for someone there, because, you know, their content has been free. But right. I digress, like... Yeah, it's not even the same thing, but I can see some crackpot at Apple being like, yeah, this would directly compete with whatever the hell we have, so we can't allow it. Let's come up yeah, with some Yeah, they just don't understand how reason. shit is. Yeah. Uh, they apparently, like, they were trying to do up a streaming service that I think has either cratered into the ground or nobody just gives a shit about anymore. And they couldn't have, like, the type of nudity or language that you're allowed to have on network television. It was that bad. Like Apple TV Plus, you mean? Yeah. I, yeah, I, think, I think that they eventually loosen the reins on that. But... Yeah, because I've seen some pretty fucked up shit. On, like, I watched this show Mythic Quest that's on there. It's actually really good. It's made by the Always Sunny people. Um, and Always Sunny is, like, one of my favorite shows. And it's, it's solid. Uh, it's definitely not, like... I mean, it's always, it's like always sunny type shit, right? Yeah. So like, it's definitely not for, it's not kid friendly in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. And I, I suppose like I, I was, you know, my, my info was out of date, but I suppose that kind of illustrates the problem too. Apple had one chance with the streaming service to make an impact. And the only impact I got off of it was they're being really stodgy about what they allow on the platform. So even if I had an Apple product or wanted some other way to interact with that streaming service. Now I'm discouraged because it sounds like you're not, you're, you're, it sounds like you're making slop, right? Right. A lot of the shows on there aren't that good. I think they've got like set, like a bunch of shows and I've watched two of them. Oh, Mythic Quest is for you. Yeah. Mythic Quest is good. Like I had, when you buy an Apple product, you get like a year free of it. So, like, I didn't even have to subscribe to it or anything. Um, so, I watched Mythic Quest, and I thoroughly enjoyed that show. Like, Final I, I Fantasy it's, Mythic Quest. It's a, it's a really good show. It's about a game dev studio um, that makes an MMO. Mac, uh, the guy from... Do you watch Always Sunny? Yeah, I do. Right um, Mac is the lead on that show, and he's also the creative director for the video game, and he's so fucking full of himself and it's so funny dude it's like if mac was actually as cool as he thought he was in the always sunny in philadelphia i might have to check that out i have to check out silicon valley as well i love that show so good yeah my my, my uh most up-to-date programmer humor source i guess is the uh movie office space so i need an update yeah go to silicon valley that's like that's my comfort food. Um, I watch that show a lot. Like it's like background comedy show for me at this point. I've probably watched the entirety of that show like five times. Damn. Um, it's really funny. Like it's just, it's genuinely hilarious to me. Um, I don't know. I love how, I love how like how they mock everything Silicon Valley. Like everything Silicon Valley is just a fucking joke in that show, and I love it. It's so yeah, at, at this point that that air industry in that area is so ripe for parody that I'm honestly surprised the show Silicon Valley is one of the only things that I've seen do it. 
at least the contemporary setting. I know that there was that show Halt and Catch Fire, which took place in the 80s. And there was also that terrible movie, The Circle, which was basically about Facebook, but it sucked. Um, but we are massively off in the weeds. So let's, oh, yeah. talk, <laughs> let's talk about Michael Ansel and how he's apparently a sex pervert. Yeah. So I don't even know what to say about that. I don't have much to say about it either. It's a, it's a typical story at this point. Big guy at company leaves abruptly being like, oh, I'm going to work on my new venture where I put make hats for polar bears at a bark or whatever the fuck. Then it comes out that he was apparently a creepy weirdo and basically got forced out. Um, Ubisoft in general is having a massive, 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 massive upheaval over their culture of sexual harassment that they apparently have going there. It was something dumb, like half their employees have been exposed to it, and of that half, there's separate subgroups that have been exposed to it more. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's, like, really bad, actually. Yeah, it's super bad. Like, that's that's one of the reasons, honestly, why I don't want to spend a crazy amount of time on it, because I don't want to sit here and crack jokes about a subject that is something that people shouldn't have to deal with full stop at this point. But yeah. Um, don't believe the hype when Michael Ansel says that he's leaving to go work with zoo animals or whatever. People are hyped about it. Yeah. Well, the people aren't <laughs> hyped, but like people are like, Oh, I wish you well on your journey. Wh- whatever. Go feed carrots to Balto. Balto. Yeah. Go feed carrots to Balto. That shit's not real. Nope. It's all lies. It's all lies. Uh, you know what isn't a lie? What's that? Microsoft bought ZeniMax. Yeah, dude. This is the biggest news probably of this entire generation, dude. Like, that's a lot of fucking video games. Oh, yeah. And, if, and a lot of franchises. Like, if you told me, and there's a lot of questions around how many of these will actually be Xbox exclusives? If they're going to be timed exclusives, if they're still going to come to PlayStation, etc. Um, the fact of the matter is, man, they bought them for seven and a half billion dollars. Now, they could have spent zero dollars, and all those games would have still come to Xbox. So my my I'm thinking like these games are going to be exclusive to to the Xbox platform. Like I just can't see you spending with the biggest thing your biggest criticism of Microsoft is that they don't have exclusives. The biggest knock against getting an Xbox is they don't have exclusives. I don't see them spending seven and a half billion dollars and then still putting Bethesda games on PlayStation. I just here's don't. what I here's what I think they're gonna do. Um and I think someone at Microsoft got real big brain about this. Because they've already said that they're going to honor their PS5 exclusivity agreements, which I think are all timed exclusives or whatever. Although, yeah, for like Deathloop and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, although that was probably contract that was already dry and they just didn't want to fuck with, potentially. But I can also see it like, what do they get by buying Bethesda? And we should say Zenimax because we keep burying the lead. I think yeah. that Zenimax was still up, uh, up above... Bethesda, they keep saying Bethesda. No, it's it's Zenimax, and Zenimax yeah, is one of those companies that has hands everywhere. That's id Software, that's Tango Gameworks, which is the yeah. Shinji Mikami studio, I think. That's uh, oh, that's a bunch of shit. But that's Dishonored, that's Doom, that's fucking Wolfenstein, Skyrim, Prey. Yeah, like Starfield coming up. We don't even know what that is yet. Evil Within, like these are huge, amazing games. Yeah, like, what I'm thinking is that these games on this lineup and anything that these companies release is going to be free on Game Pass. Oh yeah, obviously. Xbox they already said that's what they're trying. They to They did say that, but they um, also realize that, like, for the people who are diehard PS5 fans who would never buy an xbox it makes sense for them to make money by selling those same games that were going to be dev cross-platform anyway to the playstation audience who isn't go like this this is essentially how does microsoft get money in the japanese game market 101 yeah i just i don't know man 
it, it really, it depends. And this is, if this strategy is real and not something I pulled out of my ass, it's also one of those things that could change on a dime when an executive gets popped out. I feel like, so I do feel that some games are going to come to PlayStation. But I think the majority, so I can, I could see something like this, like Elder Scrolls and Fallout still come to PlayStation because they sell so fucking much, right? Yeah. Um, but I could totally see something like Dishonored, Wolfenstein, Doom, those games not come prey, Evil Within, those games just being exclusives. Because while those games were like critical darlings, they never really sold all that well. Yeah. Especially Dishonored and Wolfenstein and stuff like that. So even if even if they put them on PlayStation, there's not a ton of money to be made there. It's interesting Without- though, because the Game Pass thing means that you kind of have to look at this like a streaming service and not like just individual games anymore. So it doesn't really matter that like Prey or Dishonored didn't sell crazy well because now they're just items on a buffet. And so right. more people are going to interact with those now that they're essentially free or you have already paid for them at the door. I think that what you might get is, you know, Game Pass exclusivity, timed Game Pass exclusivity, where this game is only on Game Pass or only on Xbox for like a year and then it comes out on other shit, too. I can't, I, I just, I really can't see them locking out Sony, the Sony consoles and that market of people who have money 100%. I think that they're going to use those games. Maybe the Xbox games will also have additional features and shit. But I think that they're going to use those games as kind of like uh, Olive Branch probably isn't right the t- the correct term, but like a way to hopefully pop a few people off of PlayStation and get them hooked up with an Xbox. But like to I be said, I'm fair also though, guessing. if PlayStation bought Zenimax, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Oh no 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 no! Those would be locked up under like like lock and key, dude. And yeah. they bought Insomniac. You'll never see an Insomniac game on an Xbox again. I mean, Microsoft um, still owns Minecraft and publishes it everywhere. I think that's a little different, though, because Minecraft was already everywhere well before they bought Mo- Mojang, or however you pronounce that. I still don't know how to pronounce that. I just say Mojang. Um, um, but, like, so, for example, they released a screenshot of Starfield and said coming to Xbox and PC, which insinuated that it wasn't coming to PlayStation. Ooh. Um, I don't, I would like, I want to find that right now and like send it to you. But that did, that was tweeted out by Aaron Greenberg, who works at Microsoft. Um, so it's interesting. And when interviewed, Phil Spencer said, um, all Bethesda games or all Zenimax games will be coming to Xbox and PC and other platforms on a case-by-case basis. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, they are totally going to triage what they release on PlayStation. Yeah. Um, I think that, like I said, I think I think you'll probably get some timed exclusivity, but I, I don't see Elder Scrolls and Fallout being exclusive. It'd be huge if they were. What There's just so much mean, money to be made. Yeah. Skyrim was on everything, dude. It was on Alexa. Oh, yeah. What, what this could also mean is that they're just going to hit the port everything to switch button because yeah. that if you want to talk about a walled off ecosystem there are people who don't know that other consoles exist who have just been buying nintendo consoles for the past like two decades granted there aren't a ton of them but they do exist yeah no. so, yeah, i know it's just interesting times ahead yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be interested to see what happens with Elder Scrolls. Star, what do they call that? Starfield? Um, <laughs> will be coming out first, um, they've said, before Elder Scrolls. So I guess we'll get a little a little taste probably next year's E3 or something. Yeah. This also does have the interesting side effect of making it so that I think Microsoft is like the third biggest publisher of exclusives on PlayStation or something. Yeah, I know, right? It's ridiculous. Yeah. What whatever happens, I hope it leads to something more consumer friendly, but as someone who is entirely jaded, you don't make these kind of moves if it doesn't benefit you in some way. Right. Exactly. Uh, 
I guess continuing, and unless you had more to say, we can uh, move on to the other Xbox topic of the night, which I'm going to let you take the lead on because uh, you're sure. more interested in it than I am, I guess. So uh, there's Xboxes out in the wild right now. There's an embargo uh, on the majority of the stuff, but the things that people have been able to talk about is load times, quick resume functionality, and backwards compatibility, apparently the upgrade the difference between um the games that are running on xbox one and xbox one x and those same games running on series x is quite a bit uh quite a large margin so the load times for example i think what i saw for red dead redemption 2 was like a minute and 40 seconds on xbox one and it was like 30 seconds on series x nice um Quick resume allows you to, I think somebody showed me six games that you can switch between maybe takes like seven seconds to get between each one. Um, and it leaves right where you left off. Uh, yeah, I would assume that like at this point that resume functionality is just some sort of advanced uh, state machine rather than just being open the game again. Right. Exactly. Um, so I feel, I feel like this is, this is exciting news. But on the other hand, it makes me even more disappointed from what I haven't seen from PlayStation. Oh, yeah. It, essentially, all I know about the PS5 is it's a box that plays games. Um, I don't know what the UI looks like. I don't even know if it has like a quick resume feature where you can swap between games. I don't even know what the backwards compatibility stuff looks like. We have no information on load times or upgrades to the backwards compatible games that will be played from PS4 to PS5. It's real wishwash on what we know in regards to save files um, for the Series X. You can put in Halo 5 or whatever and pick up right where you left off on the Xbox One years ago. Um, so we don't we don't have any information whatsoever on any of the actual how the ps5 actually performs as a new console we just know yeah. that games are coming for it and the, the only like i don't think sony would play this super close to the vest if they had comparable stuff to show off because they never have before i think they just don't have that stuff like they probably don't have we know they don't have as robust of a backwards compatibility mechanism that's for damn sure they no, don't yeah. have they probably don't have as robust of a game suspension system I know they said I mean, that I, stuff about the loading times, so I assume those are going to be comparable. I mean, the loading times are going to have to be significantly better on the PlayStation. It has a Gen 4 NVMe drive that runs at like 5.5 gigabytes per second, which is more than twice as fast as the Series X's hard drive. Um, So load times are going to have to be like super fucking good yeah, on the I, PS5. I, I think it's interesting, too, the two approaches that were taken... On, in making these consoles, because the Series X seems largely iterative. It seems like a souped-up exponent, which is fine given that consoles are essentially just PCs now, and how you make them better is throw more numbers at it. Mm -hmm. But the PS5, like, it seems like a lot of the PS5's interesting stuff was done in hardware, whereas a lot of the Series X's interesting stuff was done in software. I'm sure the component, like, obviously the components are better, they have to be, but I think that a lot of the shit, like, a lot of this stuff was probably prototyped on, on an Xbox One. Yeah, and I feel like Mark Cerny had his big tech talk, and a lot of the stuff that they were trying to make clear, and I think what the PS5 is built around is just eliminating um, load times from games. Yeah. Um, I feel like, like, that was the, like, what are we going to make the PS5 do that the PS4 can't, right? Um, and I think that load times was like their big focus um, and then souped up everything else, you know, upgraded yeah. GPU, CPU, et cetera. But then putting a, and they said that there's like a boost mode for the hard drive as well. that can hit like seven or over seven gigabytes per second, which is insane. Like, I don't even think they sell NVMe drives on the PC that run like that, that fast. Like, at least I can't find them. Um, you can yeah, that would be that like mode. like SATA regular SATA spec tops out at six meg, right? Yeah, 
Um, so. I guess that this it's envying me though. It's not Seda. Um, yeah, but I I don't know either. I'm literally staring at the hard drive I just bought to see how fast that it runs. I mean, most of like the one I have, I have an NVMe drive that I think it's like two point seven. Yeah, this is like two point one meg max performance. Yeah, so I I mean, it's it's hard to say, but if if they're getting if at those numbers on that hard drive, it I feel like we're probably looking at you know the difference between the Series X and the One X was a minute and 40 seconds and 30 seconds, we could be looking at like a minute and 40 seconds and like 10 seconds or something ridiculous, you know, like you, also, you could be like, like that. Those could like, that could be blast processing type stuff though, too, where it's right. like completely, if the die is completely unladen, we're able to get that rate of speed off of this hard drive. But if the, the console's doing something else, like, i.e. real-world operation, it's lower. I really hope Sony has some sort of quick-resume tech that's similar to this, where you can swap hot-swap between video, between games and whatnot. Um, yeah, if, if they're able to get their load times down, like, super low, that's basically just quick-resume tech as it stands, because right. at that point, you just need to write a state of where you are in the game. Exactly. Yeah, um... It'll be interesting. I just feel like Sony, they've always been, Sony's never really sent their consoles out, dude, to P, to people. Like the PS4 wasn't sent out to like, to like YouTubers and video game websites months ahead of time. It was like the week before, so it could be reviewed. Um, yeah. So I feel like Sony's right now just trying to figure out how to navigate the COVID shit because they're like, we want people to get hands on, but we don't want to send our console to people. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're pretty tight lipped. Um, they are a Japanese com company. Um, I feel like Microsoft, like you said, this is just a souped up X bone for the most part. And Microsoft wants to get ahead of ahead of the ball here and be like, this is all the shit our console does. This is what you you're going to get with your pre-order. I pre-ordered a PS five and I have no idea what I'm going to get when i open yeah. that thing you know what i mean microsoft is also the console manufacturer who's on their back foot from last generation like they they're the ones who need to win converts the playstation really all they had to do is not lose people which i don't think that sharper image reject console design really helped but that's my personal preference although i haven't met oh and it's gigantic there's there's screenshots of this thing sitting next to an x-bone uh, because there were hands-on with this thing in Japan yesterday. Um, this thing is fucking huge. The PS5 is huge, dude. It is so big. Well, the Series X is also big. It's almost a, an ATX uh, computer case. Yeah, but this is bigger. Wow. Like, a, like sig by a significant margin. Jesus, how big can that thing be? Like, it's so... It's different in that it's not like a refrigerator. It's not like this big cube. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm um, looking at photos, though. That thing is like a monolith. That's bigger than the fat PlayStation 3. Yeah, it's huge, dude. It's so big. I'm like sitting here trying to figure out how I'm going to fit that thing under my TV. Like, they, they're selling mounts for your wall for this. To be fair, that's how I have my PlayStation 4 mounted. That's hilarious. I might have to mount this. It works great, although the stupid-ass shape that they made makes it more difficult to mount. Yeah, this shape is absurd. I don't understand why they went this route, why they couldn't it's, just make a box. Just make a black fucking box. This is so, like, it's curved, which makes it annoying to, like, you can't rest anything on it, which I know you're not supposed to do, but everyone does anyway. Like, it's conspicuous. It's really conspicuous. I hope you didn't enjoy any sort of decor uniformity. Oh, yeah, obviously. Like, this is just ridiculous, man. This thing looks absurd. Yeah, I, I like the controller. I like the way the controller looks. I just, I'm not a huge fan of the, of the, the console itself. Yeah, this fucking Dragon Ball Z villain of a console. Like, oof. That, I, I can see them releasing a slightly more 
nondescript model down the line somewhere. Oh yeah, they will. There, there's always like four different PS PlayStation consoles or whatever. What do you think about those discless uh, price announcements? You think that's going to do anything? Um, what do you mean the the hundred dollars cheaper? Yeah. For the discless version. Yeah. I think that it was like apparently I'm hearing it's really hard to get your hands on one. Uh, there weren't a lot of pre-orders available for the discless version of this console. Um, I went with the disc-based version because I like to have that option, and yeah. I also would like to use it as a 4K Blu-ray player. Um, but the a hundred dollars cheaper for no discs is is pretty good. And then it, on Sony's end, there's some benefit there as it allows all the games that people purchase to be done through the PlayStation store. Yeah. Like I, I think that people do need to consider what they're losing out on for that hundo. Cause when you, when you think about it, it's not really a good proposition for, you know, your jo- average Joe gamer, because like you can't buy used anymore. You can't borrow games anymore you are locking yourself out from that entirely and i know we live in covid world right now where a lot of that stuff wasn't going on anyway but the hope is eventually we'll be out of that and i don't know about you but i for one plan on catching up on a bunch of ps4 games just by disc swapping with people at this point yeah i mean and i also question on the discless version how backwards compatibility even works like is it going to be like xbox where you could where all my digital games are just added to my library and then bam i can play them or am i gonna have to rebuy them like i'd bet like that if if the if having to rebuy stuff enters the conversation at this point i'm just not buying a playstation 5 like full stop yeah i mean that's understandable the architecture of these consoles is similar to the point where there's no excuse. And if there are like differences that you need to get around, write a wrapper. Like that should be part and parcel of the dev cost of this console. The idea of forcing people to buy their stuff yet again would be ridiculous. But yeah, that is a very good question. How does the PlayStation 4 backwards compatibility work if you don't have a disc console? Because there's no like unless you've played the game already, there's no way to be like, hey, I bought a copy of, like, Bloodborne or some shit, let me rub it on the PlayStation 5's uh, contact sensor so that I can register it with my console or whatever. Right. And, I mean, there's no, like, number or anything, like, on on the PS4 game that you could, like, enter in to redeem it. And even if you could, that'd be questionable at best on whether you actually had it in your possession and i think the the thing that would make the most sense is if you bought it digitally like i have a bunch of digital games i bought like so for example if i bought persona 4, 5 royal digitally and i wanted to play that on my ps5 it should just show up in my library as an available download but we still don't know if that's the way it's gonna work you know what i mean yeah because we've only gotten that of what one console so far like the switch can't do that i have Stuff that I bought on the Wii and Wii U that's just locked on those consoles. Um, none of the PlayStations can do that, really. Like, PS4 doesn't have all of my PS3 downloaded shit. I really wish it did. Because the problem with the problem with these downloaded games is that it's not like a piece of media where it's just locked in the media and then you can, like, figure out an emulator for it or something. These games are largely locked down to these consoles, like, to the point where if you don't have the hardware, you're basically shit out of luck. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just, if $100 is going to allow me to just, I mean, you're going to have this thing for, like, seven years, probably. Like, if it's going, you want to get the best version of that possible when it comes to consoles, you don't want to kind of, to me, it's always been that way. I've always wanted to buy, like, the highest end version for that reason. And that to me, the Series S makes way more sense from a I want the small boy console standpoint because, for one, it's a significant cost reduction, even more so than a hundred dollars. Two, like it makes more sense. Like all all of the criticism about not having a disc drive still stands. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't, but it makes more sense to have a console with cut down specs that targets a 1080p ecosystem 
than it does to just yank the disk drive off of your console. To the point where I feel like someone at Sony might have known that the Series S was going to be a thing and just decided to pull the disk drive off to hopefully save some money. That's I mean, idle speculation. It also could have just been like, hey, we realized that we got hosed on a bunch of periphery crap that like we had to either find a way around on the PS4 or just eat and without without a disk drive and the requisite Blu-ray decompression bullshit, we're going to save money on licensing fees, even though Blu-ray licensing is just them licensing to a, a, a company that Sony has a massive interest in, but they also have to give money to whoever else is part of that consortium. I don't know, rights are a mess. If I'm being honest, though, the design of the PlayStation 5 actually looks much better on the discless version. Because it looks like the disk drive is just slapped on the side of that thing and it has no business even being there. Yeah. That could also be another way that it went where they like designed it for a diskless paradigm first and then had to shove the disk drive back on, but I feel like that's not how it went down based on how many diskless pre orders they had. Yeah, I feel like they would have had a lot more diskless pre orders, but they're just they were just so much harder to get, dude. Like apparently, uh, looking at the numbers and stuff that have released, it's just there were not that many out there. Yeah, I really feel like they could have hid that disk drive better, though. But that yeah, that it's comes really down bad. To the aesthetics of the console. I've got, I just I hate the way it looks. Like who? I loved the way the original PS4 looked fucking loved it the design of the original ps4 console was good i liked the way it was designed and it was also very slim and didn't have the power su- and had the power supply in it and i was like very fond of that design and the ps4 pro looked ugly as hell but now this is just a disaster the ps4 pro is the big Mac of consoles and i can kind of understand yeah. why that happened like because you're essentially just slapping more power onto a pre-existing design but yeah, this thing has no excuse. Like, that weird... Do you remember the pizza reheater machine that was the uh, prototype? Yeah. I've, yeah. Yeah, I do. The one that yeah. had, looked like a V and everybody thought that was Roman numeral 5 and that was the way the console was going to look. Yeah. That uh, that thing looked better than this. Yeah, this, this looks ridiculous. It looks like some sort of futuristic face. I don't hate it as much as I did when I first saw it. Um, and some of the screenshots that they're sending out look make it look a little bit better than I initially thought it would, but it's still not pretty. Yeah. That, like, it's not like the Series X looks good. The Series X is a box. It's literally an Xbox. And that's my expectation. Like, I don't... I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I would... And I want my Switch to look good because it's a handheld and I have to look at it constantly. But this is something that's going to sit under my TV, dude. Like, my cable box doesn't look good. My router doesn't look good. Like, it's just something I need there to do the things I want it to. Yeah, honestly, at this point, this is kind of like... Like, for better or for worse, this is black box tech that you're just plugging in as a component to your entertainment center. Uh, it, it, it might be better if everyone just adopted like rack mount server setups for everything and you just lock like a blade in, but that's a utilitarian future that only I am insane enough to imagine. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's basically just, this is the, this is the Xbox module of my entertainment setup and it needs to be nondescript and out of the way. And I need to not be able to see it when the lights are off and that's it. Like the the PlayStation Five, the, the the ethos it seems to have been designed under was one from like the GameCube era, and then it doesn't even look good for that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have not seen a console this flamboyant ever. <laughs> like it, it just looks so. It just stands out so much, man. And I yeah. don't know if that's what they, that's obviously what they're going for. Like when someone walks into your house, they see that thing and they know it's a PlayStation five without question. You know what I mean? And maybe that's what they're going for, but this thing just stands out, dude. It's yeah. like, it's like a train wreck. 
Like you can't stop staring at it. It's just so, I don't even know how to put it, man. That thing in the middle looks like it's glossy um, on the front and then matte on the top from some of the screen up close screenshots I'm seeing. Um, and when it sits on its side, it just looks so freaking weird, dude. Yeah, it it like it looks like a piece of bad modern art that you'd buy to help someone launder money. But I think that that's enough dunking on how the PlayStation Five looks for now. Did you have anything else to talk about with uh, the Xbox? No, I think right. we covered it. Well, on that note, I think that's going to be it for us. Uh, catch you guys later. Later on.